It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. I'm your host, I am your pal, I'm the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun, you can follow me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL, you can follow the show on Twitter as always at Locked On Vikings, and hey! If you are like a whole bunch of people and you listen to this podcast in your car, on your commute, maybe on the way to work or from work, you can just ask your smart device to play Podcast Locked on Vikings. You'll get the latest show and you don't have to lift a finger. That's Play Podcast Locked on Vikings. In my opinion, that's the easiest way to get to this podcast. You don't have to shuffle through any you know, big clunky podcast apps. It's a whole bunch easier, and it's great for when you commute or if you're like me and you're just lazy. So let's get into the meat of the episode, and we're going to start with the news. Uh, There are some rumors circulating. Obviously, this is the Combine where GMs get to talk to each other, and there's a lot of trade shopping that goes around and a lot of conjecture, and and it's kind of the 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 behind-the-scenes story that goes on while we're all watching the drills. So last week, we kind of already talked about trading Trey Waynes and, and the science behind trades and everything like that. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out because it lays out some really important context to just like what makes trades work in the NFL and how it kind of doesn't always have a lot to do with like one team thinking a player is bad and the other team thinking a player is good. But since that episode, over the course of the weekend and especially on Monday, there were some more rumors that were circulated. Uh, A lot of them came from Darren Wolfson at KSTP, or Doogie. Uh, We're going to call him Doog Bombs because he is a very reputable insider and and definitely worth trusting. If you're not following him on Twitter, it's at DWolfsonKSTP. He's very often the first thing, the first person on a lot of these things. Uh, And he reported that the Vikings are now trying to trade away Everson Griffin and that they are trying to restructure Kyle Rudolph, and that is not going well, and they tried to restructure Everson Griffin, and Griffin isn't taking it either, and it seems like a lot of the Vikings players, I think we've kind of been spoiled by Vikings players being willing to take pay cuts or you know, being willing to take restructures like Latavius Murray and Brian Robeson back in the day, and, and a lot of players that you know were kind of willing to take uh, lesser deals to stay with the team, and now players aren't doing that, which is well within their prerogative, uh, and it's kind of starting to cause some problems, and we might end up losing a whole bunch of players. They probably don't lose all of them, but they could lose any of them and any real number of them. So with rumors like this, the first thing I like to do is to actually go to the source and go and see what that person is saying and, and really figure out the truth of the rumor, because there's levels to this, right? There's, you know, Everson Griffin is going to get traded or cut. There's, they're trying to figure it out. They're just kind of shopping. They're figuring out the market, but nothing's solidified yet. You know, and there's levels in between that. And, and I like to kind of see where that clarification comes. So the real viral tweet was from Matthew Collar, who said that on KFAN, Darren Wolfson said, you know, Everson's going to get traded. And that's really what everybody's been running with. And that's not too false. But actually going to D. Wolfson KSTP, which you should definitely follow, and you can get kind of more detailed and more useful insights. So one thing that he says is, is that he's something he's been saying for weeks, which is that Barr, Sendejo, Remmers, and Latavius Murray are 95% gone. Now, I've talked a lot about the merits of all of those options. You know, the first move that I've made in all of these mock-off seasons has been cutting Remmers and Sendejo because they are kind of either, you know, redundant or just the contract doesn't line up and they're pretty easy cap-saving moves. It's unfortunate uh, that Anthony Barr, you know, doesn't seem to be that likely to be re-signed. Of course, anything's possible, right? His market could be, you know, not what he's hoping it is. I'm going to go ahead and assume, because this is just such an intuitive option, that the, the difference, the disparity between where the Vikings are and where Barr 
bar is is that bar wants to be paid like a more true edge rusher pass rusher and the vikings want to keep him at that outside linebacker position which typically makes less money and he does still cover like in 75 80 percent of his snaps so you know the vikings are going to continue to use him that way and somebody else might use him as like a 3-4 outside linebacker or more of a pass rushing type and that would make more money so anthony Barr might want to go test that market so it all makes sense and is very unfortunate but it's something that we've also been talking about a whole bunch so i won't like relitigate all of the merits of that so going back to the everson griffin rumors uh, somebody asked matt collar after he tweeted that quote from wolfson saying like is this just like crazy speculation or is this just random rumor real stuff or is this is there really there really actually something going on here and wolfson actually Responds and he says it's definitely had a reckless speculation. They're open-minded to trading a few guys, but he, Everson Griffin, would be number one on my list, which means he's the most likely. But it still could be that Trey Wayne's trade that we've been hearing about. It could be somebody else, somebody like Kyle Rudolph or something. But I think that they are trying to trade away somebody, get some extra draft capital, and clear out cap space in the process. So it's really hard to like parse out scenarios and who the partners would be and what draft pick you'd get in return and stuff because it's just so hard to figure out where front offices stand on certain people. They're so tight-lipped this time of year. So instead, I want to talk about possible replacements. You know, if we lose any or all of these players, who's starting in those positions next year? You know, if Everson Griffin does get traded away, there's a bunch of different options there, right? You just anoint Stephen Weatherly with the job or you draft someone or you pick someone up in free agency and all of those things have different merits for and against and you know pros and cons and stuff so like let's talk about all of these other options and and let's see where the team would be if they do get rid of one or all of these players so we're going to kind of divide this into a few categories we'll talk a little bit about what if you just don't replace them right what if you just traded away trey waynes and you went with the, the group you have what does that look like and then we'll talk about targets in free agency and then we'll talk about targets in the draft and with the draft we're going to kind of keep it to, you know, guys that can be taken seriously as possible starters. We're not going to talk about late round sleepers and stuff. To be honest, I'm not that deep into the draft yet. I'm really only familiar with some of the bigger names so far, but we'll talk about those guys and if their scheme fits and if they fit what the Vikings want to do at those positions. Uh, And we'll really break down kind of if we do lose this player, either to cutting them for money or letting them walk, you know, like Anthony Barr or trading them away like Everson Griffin, what do you do? What? Where do the Vikings go from here? So we're going to talk about Anthony Barr. We're going to talk about Sheldon Richardson and possible three techs. We're going to talk about Trey Wayne's possible corners. Uh, we're going to talk about Kyle Rudolph and possible tight ends. I know we've talked a little bit about that before when we talked, we kind of had a big segment on Kyle Rudolph and whether or not to cut him and if he was worth his contract and whatnot. And we're going to talk a little bit about Latavius Murray because, you know, we, there's a lot of different opinions on what you should spend on your running back. And we're going to see like what those different scenarios look like. So I am going to step away really quick to an ad break. And when I come back, we will start on this little exercise. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, 
Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Okay, we are back. So let's talk a little bit about the linebacking core of the Minnesota Vikings, because Anthony Barr fills a pretty unique role in that there aren't a lot of linebackers that play in a 4-3 and are like true 4-3 outside linebackers, you know, not Vaughn Millers or Justin Houston's, but guys that cover more than they pass rush, but still pass rush as often as Anthony Barr. It's a very unique role. So what you need if you're going to replace him is somebody that can cover and pass rush. You need somebody who's good at both things and also be good at run support. You really need a guy that can do all of it. And a lot of linebackers, a lot of the best linebackers that you'll hear thrown around are really good at covering and really good at run stopping, but not so much at pass rushing because they aren't pass rushers. Otherwise, they would be edge defenders, right? So so Anthony Barr fills this really weird niche, and he's just, an, he's just a human that doesn't come along very often. If you remember him from the pre-draft process, he's just a really weird body. So replacing him is going to be really difficult, and it's why I've advocated against letting him go this whole time. But if uh, Doogie's report is to be believed, we're already kind of past that. So let's talk a little bit about options. And the first option, I think, is one that the the detractors of Anthony Barr, the people who don't think he's very good, are completely fine with, which is just let Eric Wilson start. He's an undrafted free agent. He's kind of, you know, outperformed his uh, draft pedigree. He was undrafted because he was undersized. He, I think he's put on a little bit of size, and he's also just played really well despite being undersized, just like he did in college. He's turned out to be a really nice pickup for the Vikings, uh, but he doesn't really play the same kind of game that Anthony Barr plays. So if you are going to have a linebacking core of, say, you know, Eric Wilson and Eric Kendricks on most snaps and then Ben Gedeon in when you need a third one, that is going to look a lot different. You aren't going to be able to use as many exotic blitz packages because teams aren't going to adjust their protections when Eric Wilson is lined up on the line of scrimmage as much as when Anthony Barr was because Anthony Barr was known to quarterbacks as... A pass rusher and this really showed up you know when we talked about it when we talked about the the pass rushing uh recap of 2018 we kind of talked about how everybody who usually doesn't pass rush on blitzes did really well and i think part of that was because you know anthony barr would line up on the line of scrimmage and then back off and screw up the protection and someone would get a free sack but that isn't to say that you couldn't do it it'd just be you know that that you aren't showing blitz with these guys nearly as often you probably are going to put ben Gedeon in at the sam position uh, because he's simply the biggest, he's you know the run thumper type. Uh, but really, you have three will linebackers. If you have Gideon, Kendricks, and Wilson, they're all a kind of undersized linebackers that are better at coverage and being finesse guys than they are at you know just thumping through a fullback or something like that. They're they're all just a little bit undersized, and I think you'd really have a struggle in run defense, and I think you'd have a struggle against bigger targets, you know, big tight ends like Rob Gronkowski or you know guys like Jimmy Graham or something like that. Uh, and, and you'd really have a struggle. So I, I can't say that just throwing Eric Wilson in into that spot is going to be the best outcome, but we can still look at free agency. And there, I think the first thing that really pops out is that the Seahawks have two linebackers that are pending free agents, Michael Kendricks 
and K.J. Wright. Now, K.J. Wright didn't really blitz the way that Michael Kendricks blitzed in Philadelphia and the way that they would used that Seattle used him in the few games that they got out of him, but obviously he has that whole insider trading red flag. He had his time, his very tumultuous time in Cleveland, but when he was a free agent, the Vikings did pursue him before. Obviously, he's Eric Kendricks' brother. It would be an excellent chemistry fit, and it just depends on if you're willing to deal with the, the possible sentencing. He's already served his NFL suspension for this. So you wouldn't have to deal with that. You just have to deal with the the moral blowback of, you know, hiring somebody who is essentially a, a convicted white collar criminal and the possible sentencing that would cause him to miss time. But he, in his time in mostly Philadelphia, was an excellent player and played a very similar role to Anthony Barr, where he was mostly a cover guy, but pass rushed quite a bit. Uh, K.J. Wright is a very good linebacker, but similar, you know, similarly to the guys we have, he didn't pass rush that much, and you need that guy that can threaten blitz, otherwise your blitz packages on defense get way more simple, and you're going to have a much harder time getting pressure, especially against teams with good offensive lines, which there's a couple in the division. There was also some news today that the Ravens will not pick up an option on C.J. Mosley's contract. If you recall, he was actually in the same draft class as Eric Kendricks. The Vikings got Kendricks, uh, Ravens got Mosley, and the Ravens used Mosley in a very similar role. He pass rushed about a quarter of the time, and that would make him a really nice fit. I actually think if the Vikings do lose Barr, they could give the money that they were going to give to Barr to C.J. Mosley. I actually think that that would be a really nice fit in what the Vikings are trying to do at the strong side linebacker position. So I definitely prefer an option like that to just having Eric Wilson start, but there's also the draft, and I know that drafting a linebacker in the first round this year would not make people very happy, but if you lose Anthony Barr, you do need to fill the need. Uh, so just looking at some of the top guys that could be around at pick 18, right now I'm just looking at John Ledger's big board on uh, thedraftnetwork.com. I'll link that in the show notes, but they have all kinds of big boards over there that you should go check out. And, and the kind of two big linebackers, uh, Devin Bush and Devin White, are both listed below 18, at least in this guy's opinion. And, and I do trust John Ledger. He's the, the host, one of the hosts of Locked On NFL Draft. You should go check that out. Same thing. You can just ask your smart device, hey, play podcast Locked On NFL Draft. Uh, but in his opinion, you know, these guys are below 18. They could still definitely be there. And at least in terms of Devin White, the LSU kid, what he has that I think Anthony Barr had, and I think a reason that he could actually fill that role is that he has that range and that mobility. He's, he's a tough competitor and he can, you know, shed a block. He can get in through pass rushing. Like if you asked him to pass rush as much as the Vikings are asking Barr to pass rush, I don't think you'd be punished for that decision. And he has the range to line up on the line of scrimmage, back off into coverage and actually get to a, a landmark on the field that's pretty far away in a short amount of time, which is, you know, the, the Viking scheme is very demanding of linebackers in that way. So you need a guy with that much range. I think Devin Bush fits that bill as well. I think there's a few other linebackers in the draft. Blake Cashman has gotten act from Minnesota has actually gotten a little bit of buzz and he'd be a kind of, you know, hometown pick. And as much as that probably shouldn't factor into things, you know it does. So there would be options to replace Barr in the draft, but you'd have to probably spend pretty heavily to get a guy that contributes to the defense what Barr is contributing now. But moving on, let's move on to Sheldon Richardson. Um, Darren Wilson said that, you know, the Vikings really want Sheldon Richardson back and it's just a matter of making the money work out, which, you know, could or could not happen, but I think it's more likely for him to come back than Barr, at least just reading the reports, even though I know I said just a few episodes ago that I think I would rather have Barr back. 
uh, it's close in my opinion, and my opinion isn't reality. It's not what's going actually going to happen. But let's say they can't work it out. What else is out there? If you weren't to do anything, you'd probably just re-sign Tom Johnson and let Tom and Jaleel Johnson rotate, and that would be your three techs. Tom Johnson did a reasonable job in 2017. He actually had a better year in 2018. Uh, but he is like 34, I think, and his age is going to start to be a problem. Now, he has a lot less wear and tear on his body because he spent a lot of his football playing career in like the Arena League and he went to the Europe League a little bit. And so and I, I think the intensity of that is just a little bit lower. So he doesn't have the typical wear and tear you'd see on, you know, a 33, 34-year-old defensive tackle. But he's kind of getting to the point in age where that's going to start catching up. He's been in the NFL for a few years now. So relying on him is probably irresponsible. It could work out just fine, but I don't think the likelihood of that is high enough for you to feel safe. So let's look again at free agency. We've actually done this before. Uh, in a couple of the off-season, mock off-season episodes that we've done. But just to recap, uh, a guy that I have signed in uh, one of those mock off-seasons is Danny Shelton from the Patriots. He plays kind of both the nose and three-tackle positions, which I think is interesting, right? Because I think the more you can vary alignments, I think that makes it harder for quarterbacks to call the, and centers to call their protections. It makes it easier for you to get through. So that kind of versatility is actually pretty useful. It'd also be useful for you to be able to get a guy like, you know, Danny Shelton on the field on every down and then on third downs when Linval has to come off because you can't put him in on every play, right? He's just too big. You can have Danny Shelton play that nose tackle role and, and stay in on the play and you don't have to put in like a backup rotational guy. You can put, you know, Danny Shelton next to, say, Tom Johnson or Jaleel Johnson. That would be a really nice option. And he'll come at somewhat of a discount because he isn't like a premier guy like Grady Jarrett would have been or like Sheldon Richardson is. So if you can't make the money work out for Sheldon Richardson, you will probably be able to make the money work out for Danny Shelton. There's also Brandon Meebane. He kind of played the same thing where he straddled the like nose tackle three tech line. And and that's all part of just playing in a three four and like converting three four positions to four three positions. Uh, and like sometimes you play inside and sometimes you play a little bit further to the outside as defensive tackles in a 3-4. Uh, I think it would translate just fine and give you a little extra versatility. Uh, but there's actually one other really interesting name in Malik McDowell. This is a guy I liked a ton coming out of the draft. He had some like attitude red flags, but he was a beast. He was a monster for Michigan State. And he was unbelievably disruptive with absolutely no talent around him. Like everybody keyed on him and he still just kicked people's butts. And then he got in an accident after the draft, and he never really saw the field. So I I think that the Vikings, I mean, they could take a chance on any of these guys, right? And this dude would be dirt cheap. You might as well look into it and see what there is. The medicals aren't there. They aren't there. But hey, take a look. Because if you can nurse that guy back to health and get him playing the way that he was playing at Michigan State, he was drafted in the top of the second round and probably should have gone earlier than that. He would be an unbelievable talent at 3-Tech, and it is confirmed that the Seahawks are not going to continue with him. Looking ahead uh, into the draft, there's one name that I really want to talk about uh, for both this 3-Tech position and honestly could replace Anthony Barr if you wanted to try to convert him, and that's Ed Oliver. He is a really weird name in the draft in that like he was projected as a top five pick for a while and then it came out that he was like really undersized. He might be less than 280. He played defensive tackle at Houston uh, and being sub 280 at defensive tackle is a huge no-no. It kind of reminds me of like the whole Hercules Mata'afa thing except a much better player projected to be a much better player than Mata'afa and he has this just like unreal athleticism where he beats guys bigger than him all the time at Houston except he's just too small possibly to stand up to NFL competition but he has the range to maybe cover like a linebacker. It seems like the kind of weird athlete 
that that checks all those same boxes that like Anthony Barr so uniquely checks, I think it'd be really interesting. And I honestly think that even though he's undersized, you could still plug him at three tech and say, all right, how much success can you have against big guys? You know, let's try this out in training camp. Let's beat you up a little bit in OTAs and in training camp and stuff. And once, especially once we put the pads on in like August, let's see what happens. You can always move him afterwards, but I think it's worth testing. And right now, you know, he was projected to be like a top five, top 10 pick, but now that he's so small, he's definitely fallen in a lot of people's rankings to where he could still be available at pick 18 and be that guy. There's also Jerry Tillery. Uh, He probably doesn't look like the, the first round pick like Ed Oliver does. Uh, but he's the kind of guy where you could like take a guard first and then take him, which is probably a more reasonable path for the Vikings to take anyways, If the, even if they do lose Sheldon Richardson. The Vikings definitely like guys with a fast first step, you know, guys that get off the ball very quickly and win that way, especially in their interior linemen. It's what they liked so much about Sharif Floyd. It's what they like about Sheldon Richardson. It's what Tom Johnson has done so well when he's been here. And I think Jerry Tillery checks that box as well. Uh, John Ledyard has him 32nd on the board, so you might have to take him in the first round if you really want him, uh, but I, I know that not everybody has him that high, and he could definitely still be there at pick 50 if you wanted to chance it. So that's a couple of options to replace Sheldon Richardson if possible. I don't think any of those guys are better than Sheldon Richardson, though. Like, I don't think any of those options are better than just keep Sheldon Richardson. I do think he's still one of the better defensive tackles in the league, even though he had a, a pretty s- strong struggle in run defense this season. I think he's still a pretty good player at the very worst. But let's move to another position here. I've got to step away to a quick ad break because I'm way late on one. And when we come back, we'll finish up with the other guys that we talked about. Okay, we are back. So let's finish this up really quick before I run out of time. So let's talk about Kyle Rudolph. Uh, the rumor is that he they're trying to restructure with him and he's not very open to a restructure, which is fine. That's within his prerogative. Uh, but if he does become a cap casualty because of that, we've actually talked about cutting him and signing Jesse James, somebody who I think can provide the same level of play, the same kind of ability to just be a big guy in the red zone and and go down and get passes. He's still pretty young and uh, and he's, I think, reasonably as athletic and probably comes for a cheaper price tag. There's also Max Williams, uh, the former gopher. He uh, He's not going to be re-signed by the Ravens and the Vikings were actually interested in him in that draft. And that could be an actually realistic option that the Vikings actually do go for. He's had a really disappointing tenure in Baltimore. It's hard to say why he would be more successful here, but it bears mentioning because Darren Wolfson said, you know, he's a guy that the Vikings have been interested in in the past. And so it makes sense to kind of think about him. Looking to uh, the draft, you know, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant are the two biggest tight ends. I kind of don't think either of them is going to be there at number 18. I'm I'm definitely recklessly speculating here. I'm not nearly deep enough into the draft prospects to be able to say that with any degree of certainty, but they're really, really hyped up players and hyped up tight ends are starting to be valued more and more in this league. Like guys like OJ Howard or, uh, you know, David Njoku or Evan Engram, you know, they're having huge impacts on their team and getting the next one might be really of value to some of the lesser teams that have higher draft picks. That said, I think if one of them's on the board and you don't have Kyle Rudolph, I think you pull the trigger, you sprint up to that podium before anybody can stop you. Like there's a fire. And I don't care about guard or tackle or whatever. Those guys are game changers. Take one. If you don't get one of those two guys, Irv Smith Jr. seems like a reasonable consolation prize. Somebody who could be there in the second round. 
uh, he kind of reading his the descriptions of him it actually reminds me of Rudolph a guy with you know good enough speed but not a burner and good enough ball skills but not this like crazy contested catch guy uh, except Irv Smith is an elite run blocker and I think that matters a lot especially if you're going to be taking tight ends high and not linemen you should probably get somebody who can help you block a little bit better than that and of course you could just stay the course with David Morgan and Tyler Conklin and whoever else decide you know you decide to bring in to try and make the team you're you're going to have to bring someone else in nobody carries two tight ends into a season uh, but I do think David Morgan is really underrated as a receiver just because he's so slow, but he's so good at route running and getting separation without speed. He's not going to crush anybody downfield, but he'll get open on, you know, the occasional like corner route in the red zone or something like that. And he's a really good run blocker. I think giving him more snaps would be a decent consolation prize for losing Kyle Rudolph. And hopefully Tyler Conklin could develop, but there's definitely no guarantees of that. So it's definitely not an option I think worth considering. If you lose Kyle Rudolph, you do have to get somebody else. But moving on back to the defensive side of the ball, let's talk about if the Vikings trade away Trey Waynes. Let's say you get a second for him. That's the value we assigned to him when we talked about that in more depth uh, in last Thursday's episode. And I think of all of the trades and cuts that we've been talking about, I mean, we're not talking about Sendejo and Remmers because those are already no-brainers and and, uh, Wolfson kind of said, like, yeah, that's like pretty much happening. Um, Because those guys already have replacements pretty firmly on the roster or we're going to be replaced anyways like Anthony Harris is already there and Mike Remmers is just like not going to be good like he needs to be replaced regardless of whether or not you keep him Uh, but with Trey Waynes it's a lot more nebulous because that corner group is already kind of okay to like you could deal with it if you lost Trey Waynes you didn't acquire any other corner you'd have Xavier Rhodes on one side of the ball You'd have probably a competition between Mike Hughes and Holton Hill on the other side of the ball, and I think that'd be an interesting competition on the outside. And on the inside, you'd have a competition between Hughes and Alexander, much like the competition that happened in this training camp. Uh, And that's, like, not the worst, right? You've got Hughes coming off an injury, and you have to make sure that he comes back okay from that ACL. You have Holton Hill, who I think is still a little bit of an unknown. You know, he went undrafted, but mostly due to off-field issues, and he kind of lived up to the draft stock he would have had if it weren't for those off-field issues, but he's still kind of going into his second year, and it's still very nebulous, and we're not sure how how much to trust it. And Mackenzie Alexander had an excellent back half of the year, but how much do we trust that? So there's a lot of ifs, but all those ifs are competing with each other, and that's kind of one way to mitigate risk, right, is when you only need, like, for example, in the slot, right? You, if if Mackenzie Alexander was a lie and he's not very good, but Mike Hughes come back, comes back from his injury fine, well, you're probably okay, right? Mike Hughes came back from his injury fine and he wins the job and then that's your guy. And vice versa, right? If Hughes is too hurt, but Mackenzie Alexander was for real, you're fine. You have a slot corner. You only need one of those guys to work out. So what are the odds that all of those problems happen? Probably pretty low, so you're probably okay. Still, I think we'd all feel a lot more comfortable if the Vikings acquired uh, a better outside corner. One guy in free agency that is really intriguing to me is actually Steven Nelson from the Chiefs. This, the Chiefs defense is known for having like some huge issues, right? They had that crazy Rams game. They gave really the game away uh, against New England in the AFC Championship. But I don't think Steven Nelson, I don't think that was really his fault. I think it was a lot of it was Orlando Skandrick not being the guy he used to be. Uh, and Steven Nelson actually produced really similarly to Trey Waynes. I actually think he could come in and, and you know, take that Waynes money and do a similar job. He's graded out really consistently in Kansas City over the entire course of his, uh, his rookie contract, and I think he'll actually be a, a hotter corner on the market than he's getting steam for. 
If you're interested in a bargain bin option, uh, B.W. Webb, he's coming off the Giants. That's his fifth team in as many years, but he's played a reasonable amount of snaps. He played like okay, uh, but he's definitely been like a journeyman corner. But if you're interested in maybe just grabbing a depth piece to help out with the competition for a group that's already largely compete and then spending more resources elsewhere, B.W. Webb could be your kind of discount option. Uh, in terms of the draft, if you're somebody who is very happy to get rid of Trey Waynes because of his stiff hips, uh, Byron Murphy will solve that problem for you because his hip fluidity is one of the things that has risen him to be a first-round prospect. The issue with him is that he's only six foot, and the Vikings don't like to put guys shorter than that on the outside. He has a small frame. He doesn't uh, play that like physical press role the way the Vikings want their corners to, so I don't know if he's a fit. Uh, but he is essentially the opposite of Trey Wayne's in every way imaginable. Uh, elsewhere in first round corners, there's Greedy Williams. He's gotten all kinds of press. He's a- an excellent player. Uh, he has he does not have the same stiff hip problem that Trey Wayne's has, uh, and he fits a little bit more in like a man world where uh, you know Mike Zimmer wants to play more man to man. So he might be a better fit. Although drafting a corner in the first round again might get the entire state of Minnesota to to come outside and riot in the cold. Uh, so last but not least, I do have to move on because I'm right up against the clock. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how to replace. Latavius Murray. You know, with Dalvin Cook uh, really taking more of the reins from this offense, I don't think you need a premier running back. I don't think anybody really needs a premier running back, but the Vikings especially don't need one. You just need somebody to come in and take some punishment and relief and somebody who can, you know, come in on a a goal line play or or a play where it's not about getting into space, where it's about, you know, just bumping through really tight boxes and stuff and make a little bit of noise. Garrett Blunt is kind of the god of that. And I think he'd be an awesome pickup. He had a pretty underwhelming season. I think he was hurt a little bit for the Lions. So I think he might come in at like a discount. Uh, I think Doug Martin could come in at a discount. Alfred Morris, these guys that are kind of past their prime. Spencer Ware. Uh, Gus Edwards is an exclusive rights free agent for the Ravens. I'm not quite sure what's going on with their backfield. They did just lose Alex Collins uh, to an off-field issue. So maybe they'll be a little bit more willing to keep him. I think Rod Smith showed some flashes a couple years ago. There's a lot of names out there, Mike Davis, a lot of names out there that could replace Latavius Murray pretty easily. And there's like a hundred running backs every year in the mid round. So I don't think replacing Latavius Murray is something that the Vikings need to prioritize too bad. They could also just go with like Dalvin Cook, Mike Boone, and Rock Thomas. That is the other truly viable option. So This is an exercise kind of looking at where the Vikings might actually end up having to turn in free agent just to replace the guys that they lose. Uh, And then they're going to have to actually look outward and and fix the problems that they had going into the 2018 season. Like that's all the work they have to do just to go back to where they were in 2018. So overall, it's a pretty daunting offseason and the Vikings definitely have their work cut out for them. We'll see how they do in the offseason. They tend to be pretty good this time of year. Uh, but we'll see if they can rise to the challenges that this particular roster situation presents, especially if they start losing established veterans. Uh, But that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Vikings, ending on a nice chipper note. Uh, I will see you all tomorrow. Uh, Still not quite sure what we're going to do. We'll see if any news inspires something. Otherwise, I've got some nice evergreen banked ideas that I can whip out. Uh, so I will see you all tomorrow with whatever that show ends up being. Remember, ask your smart device, play podcast, Locked on Vikings. You can follow the show at, at Locked on Vikings on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL uh, for my worst takes. And I will see you all tomorrow. Skull.
Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.